0: On this episode of Bugs by the Yard, we are wrapping up our butterfly series, thankfully.
1: Some listeners are like, thank goodness. (laughs) Finally. We might be saying the same thing. (laughs) Yes.
0: This week we are talking about the Lysinidae, which are the gossamer-winged butterflies. And this is the second largest family of butterflies. Nymphalidae is the first largest. And there are over 6,000 species of the Lysenids worldwide, and there are over 100 species in North America. There are seven subfamilies, three of them, I'm just going to mention the names because they are not found in the U.S., so we're not going into any information there. That is Apheninia, Portinini, and Curtinini. I can't say these names, but, you know, there you go. (laughs) <laughs> and then we have the other ones, Lyciani, which are the coppers. We have the the clean and the the, the cliny.
1: Yeah. I don't
0: know how to say that no, one. one.
1: I know it's a hard one.
0: Which are the hair streaks. And then the Milletini, which are the harvesters, and then the blues, which are polyomatini. Something like that.
1: And then I think even in some books, they just put the blues in with Lysininine and and the hair streaks together. And so depending on what textbook you look at or guidebook you look at, they could be together or they could be separated in those weird names.
0: The adults are going to be small, usually going to be under five centimeters for their wingspan. They're often really bright colors, hence the name blues and metallics and hair streaks and that sort of thing. And they will often have metallic colors on their body. So they actually have two types of scales on their wings. So when you're talking about colors, uh, the metallic colors like blues and greens and purples and orange, those are from specialized scales that kind of give them that iridescence. And then the brown and gray colors are typically from normally pigmented scales, These are another group that has a reduced non-functional foreleg, but only in the males. And then the characteristic that I kind of like on these, um, well, the two that I like, one is that a lot of them have antennae that are black and white striped. They are so cute. And then... Also some of these are going to have tails on their hind wings and they're not tails like you think of with swallowtail butterflies these are like shriveled up hair like yeah they're just kind of they little, call them glossomer tails.
2: tails yeah i was reading they're they're like an antennae mimics right like oh are they is yes. that the purpose of yeah. them yeah
0: so cuz if you think about if you look at them they have the little hair like tails and then they usually have an eye spot right there and so it can actually Full predators into thinking that that is the head end and when they nip at it, then that gives the butterfly the chance to fly away. And then they're just missing that part of their wing,
2: mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: which is cool. The larvae are also kind of different than most of the caterpillar larvae because these are more flattened. They're kind of short and almost slug-like in appearance. <laughs> it's kind of weird And they're usually like green or brown in color. But of course, there's always going to be exceptions. And the thing that I found completely and utterly fascinating about the larvae is that a lot of them will have a gland on the back part of their abdomen that actually secretes a wheat substance, kind of similar to honeydew. And they're using that to... Trade or bribe ants, I guess, yeah. or protection from various things. Yeah, I
1: read that. Too. And I
0: some of this scene. gets like super crazy into how they do this. There are larvae that can be phytophagous. So they're going to be feeding on plants. And a lot of these may feed on flowers or fruit instead of the actual foliage. And there are also some larvae that are entomophagous. So they actually feed on other insects, which Mm -hmm. I think is so, so crazy and so cool because that relationship gets really, really weird when you start reading about it.
1: It's almost carnivorous. It's almost, uh, well, I don't know what the term is. What is it called when you eat your own thing? Cannibalism. Carnivorous.
0: carnivorous. Or cannibalism. It's almost
1: like cannibalism, but not really. Because it's two different insects. The
0: one that is the carnivorous caterpillar. We have one species in North America, and it is known as the wanderer or the alder butterfly. And that one, it's caterpillars feed on woolly aphids. So they're actually, in my opinion, beneficial because woolly aphids are one of those things that we get questions on. And it's like, well, what is this? It's a woolly aphid.
1: And I was reading that they'll feed on it even as adults. Well, they'll eat woolly aphids even as adults, which I don't comprehend because have their mouthparts adapted to be more chewing?
0: Well, I have in my notes that I found adults stick near aphid colonies and they don't go to flowers for nectar. They will eat honeydew from the aphids. Oh, okay. And then also oh, okay. they'll eat fluids from tree sap, carrion, and dung.
1: Oh, yeah. nice. Well, they have a totally different palate.
0: We always think of butterflies as being sweet, and they're going to flowers and collecting nectar. But, you know, yeah, carrion and dung people.
2: Yeah, so these are one of those tricky families. But So I saw upwards of 75% of the species in this group are the myrmecophiles. So form associations with ants. But it's not just the ants tending them and, and having that secretion, right? But they're also... Taking advantage of like the trophallaxis that ants will, will use to, to feed their young. Yeah. Um, So they're kind of being taken care of in that way. Larvae can eat ant larvae.
0: I loved that. Said something about the larvae have like the caterpillar larvae have this kind of chemical scent that they give off that allows the ants to have them in their colony. But then those caterpillars are going and eating the ant larvae and the ants are kind of like, oh yeah. Okay. I guess that's all right.
2: (laughs) Right. Like yeah, it doesn't brilliant. send off any doesn't send off any alarm pheromones, I guess.
0: That is so fantastic. I just I love it. The crazy, crazy world of bugs. This is why we're entomologists, people. This weird, weird stuff.
1: Have you seen pictures of their larvae? They're like they're not really like bird poop, but they are they're like um I don't know. They almost look like they're pupa.
2: There's like yeah, there's so many different colors that I've seen. And color combinations that I've seen, and some look like glossy, like you said, like mm-hmm. that bird poop glossy kind of color. Others, yeah, just look like a really simple flattened green blob. I don't know. They they also have hairs that stick out to the side. That almost yeah, a
0: lot like- of them do have hairs on them, and the hairs can be different colors because that's actually how you differentiate some of them. Oh.
1: But the heart, look up the harvester caterpillar. Unless the picture I have is truly of a pupa, it looks like a Kind of like bird poopy, but like a just a blob of brown. I think the only species of harvester we have in Texas is the finiseca tarquinius. Finiseca tarquinius. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I have. And they're only found in, they like wetter areas. So East Texas into Central Texas a little bit. But if you're in South, North, Panhandle, West, you probably never will see them. And to be honest, I've never, I don't think I've ever seen one in the wild.
0: Yeah, I looked that up on iNaturalist and it only has four observations for Texas. Really? <laughs> so I'm
1: like, I, I imagine they're probably in wooded areas. I think yeah. they, so I was reading that they like, that woolly aphids are their, are their food, but they like woolly aphids on um, alders. So alders mm. are a type of tree. So maybe they're only in those areas where the alders are growing.
0: One that we have here in Texas, the adult is going to be, bright orange and it has kind of a brownish black border and spots on the upper side of the wing and then the underside of the wing is going to be kind of a pale orangey brown color that has dark brown spots with whitish rings on them and then the caterpillars can this one it can be green to pink to brown to olive (laughs) with white hairs I mean it's kind of all over the place on the caterpillar for that one. Let's talk about the blues. Oh yeah. Those are going to be 32 species in North America and they get their name from the blue of the upper wings on many of the males. Females are going to be more brownish and have wider, darker borders on the wings. And typically you will identify the species from the pattern of spots on the underside of the wings. So if you don't see the underside of the wing, they're all going to Look very similar. They kind of have fluttery flight. And then the males will often do puddling. So they'll gather at mud puddles or wet sand to get moisture, salts, and amino acids. The one that I found was most it, it pretty much statewide is the Reichert's blue. Yeah. That one is about three quarters of an inch to an inch and one eighth. And the upper wing on the male is going to be lilac bluish color. And the females is more of a brown color with more of the blue at the wing base. So towards the body, the underside of the wing is going to have a black spots on the forewing that are rimmed in white. And then the front wing is also in that one. It's going to be more square than kind of a rounded. So it's more flat at the Mm -hmm. tip, but these are typically found in weedy fields along roadsides, they typically fly close to the ground. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I found really cool is there is not a whole lot that you can find out about the larvae. Yeah. It's like people can't find them. They know what host plants they are supposed to be on. They should be on things like acacias, mesquites, clovers, which you think
1: we would have a ton of them Mm -hmm. (laughs)
0: everywhere. But You know, people go out and look for them and they just can't find them.
1: We must just have so many legumes and I maybe haven't wrapped my brain around all the different species of legumes that they're just so diluted on those plants that you don't see them in mass numbers. There is a, one of the blues, a marine blue could lay its eggs on plumbago. So if you have something chomping on your plumbago, it could be that guy.
0: So there's also in, in my part of the world, Uh, So Central Texas over through East Texas, we have one that is called the Eastern-tailed blue, Yeah. around the same size, three quarters of an inch to an inch. And again, I don't know how you tell the difference between the Reichert's blue if you're looking at the top, because it's lilac blue, but the Eastern-tailed blue is lavender blue. I don't know the difference (laughs) between lilac and lavender. Too similar. Beyond me. (laughs) (laughs) But the upper of the males on the eastern-tailed blue is a lavender blue. Females are brown with a little bit of blue at the base. And they have hair-like tails on their hind wing. The underside is going to be kind of a a pale gray, almost kind of like a whitish gray color. And then they have black spots. And then they have two large orange spots on the outer part of the hind wing. So back where that little hair-like tail is, there's going to be two orange spots. And these ones are kind of crappy flyers. They typically will fly low over the ground. And they're going to be found in weedy fields, roadsides, gardens. If you watch them when they're sitting on the flower, they'll rub their hind wings together when they're yeah. perched. And I don't know the exact purpose of that, but it is something that they do.
2: I was hoping I would come across that and I couldn't find yeah, it. Yeah, any...
0: I couldn't find it anywhere.
2: It's almost mechanical looking the way mm-hmm. they, they move them. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, my like... husband, when he's watching TV, he rubs his feet together. It's yeah. like an, a kind of a subconscious thing. that, And that's what it reminds me of. <laughs> well, just like, he doesn't and... even realize that he's doing it because it's like if he's got his feet near me. I'm like, stop it. And he's like, what? <laughs>
2: Maybe, too, going back to those and <laughs> antennae-like an tail extensions or or wing extensions, it's maybe just drawing attention to the to the mind. yeah, hey, yeah. look at
0: this end. Yeah, that's yeah, a good side that, that they is don't a very need. good hypothesis. It is Larvae of the eastern tailed blue, green with a dark stripe going down the back, fainter stripes on the sides. and they will typically be on clover vetch lupines, And again, more legumes. <laughs> yep. Imagine that.
2: I, I like what you mentioned about the uh like flying low. That's something that I've also seen. It's like they're, yeah, very low flyers. But mm-hmm. They don't tend to, they're also pretty slow, I feel.
1: Yeah.
0: They're very awkward flyers almost. They're,
1: yeah. They're almost like, almost like skippers where they kind of rise and fall and rise and fall, but they're not zippy. They're not real quick. Yeah.
0: It's almost like they're drunk flying around uh-huh. and they're, they're very weavy, you know, erratic. Yes. The last blue that I have on my stuff is the serenus blue. And that one is from what I saw statewide, except for the panhandle, you might get a stray in the panhandle on occasion, but otherwise, you know, pretty much everywhere. Those are three quarters of an inch to an inch. The upper side of the males are going to be blue with narrow black borders The females, again, are more brown with blue at the wing bases. And then the underside of those wings have white-rimmed brown dashes. I think that you kind of have to use your imagination on that because it just, it looks like, I don't know, some markings. Yeah. But this one is often confused with the Reichert's blue. But you can tell it is not the Rikertz blue because the Rikert's blue is going to have black spots on the underside of the forewing. The serenus yeah. blue does
1: not. Yeah. It's they're almost identical except for those black spots. So it's yeah. like God just forgot to paint them and they turn into a different species.
2: So yeah, you mentioned four wing. You gotta make sure you look at the forewing because that hindwing yeah. kind of once they I don't know if you've ever seen them perched, right? But the wings are up. The hind wing kind of covers that forest. Yes, yes. You might see it up. and think, oh, yeah. black dots, but.
1: I had one, uh, one species of blue called an Ackman blue, A-C-M-O-N, Ackman blue, that's only found in West Texas in the Panhandle region. So I guess it really likes cooler weather. So we wouldn't see it in other places. I always just think it's funny when things are only found in the Panhandle or far, far, like Big Bend area because it just. I don't know. You just don't think that's as diverse. Yeah. So anyway, there's one that's there. And that is one of the ones, Bryant, that does that mutual mutualistic relationship with ants where they do the take up, drink the honeydew um, that the larvae secrete. And it's apparently very well known in that species.
0: Hair streaks. I have the biggest one that we have in the in the state is the great purple hair streak or sometimes called the great blue hair streak, depending on where you're looking. And that one is an inch and a quarter to an inch and three quarters. So it is the largest. It's mainly found in central Texas with kind of sprinkles in other parts of the state for random. And the upper side of the males here is blue bordered with black. And the female is a dollar blue. And then the the black. And there are two tails on the hind wing there. So with that one, the underside is going to be a dark gray to almost like a charcoal, like a dusky gray dark or black almost. And sometimes it has a, if, you, if the light hits it right, it kind of has a purpley sheen to it, mm-hmm. kind of like an oil slick. And then at the back of the hind wings they have uh golden blue spots as well as red orange spots.
1: Yeah, they're really pretty, I think. It's like they're, they're very
2: are. basic toward the tips of the wings but like the closer you get to the body almost it's like
0: then it starts looking fancy.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I love that layout. That iridescent like sparkly just just when the light perfectly hits it you're like, "Oh yeah, that's a nice one." this is one of those families that I always pin upside down. Yes. Yes.
1: Bryant does it too. Yeah. (laughs) We were
0: trying to explain to people that with butterflies, if you have them, you might want to pin them upside down because that's where the, the pretty and the identifying characteristics typically are. The adults on these like golden rod and other asters the larvae, I thought of these were really cool because the larvae feed on mistletoe.
1: Yeah. I saw that. So they could be a biological control agent if someone could
0: yeah, I, I thought that was rear so enough cool. of them. And the larvae are green and have either green or orange hairs on their body. But yeah, eggs are laid on mistletoe and that's what the larvae eat.
1: I guess there's just not enough of them to really control the mistletoe very well. They're not hungry enough.
0: I also have the gray hair streak, which is statewide. And this one is the most widespread and abundant hair streaks in North America. This one is an inch to an inch and a quarter. The upper side of it is going to be a dark kind of gunmetal gray, has an orange spot on the hind wing near the tails. The underside is a kind of pearl color, almost, maybe grayish grayish somewhat. And then it has bright orange and blue patches near the tails. And then it also has a black and white line that goes down. Like if you see it sitting on the flower with its wings folded up, it goes from the front wing through the hind wing, and it's almost mm-hmm. kind of like a straight line.
1: Yeah, matches up.
2: I definitely feel like this is the most common. I- I've encountered this one. Yeah, it's definitely right. cosmopolitan.
0: If you've seen a hair streak, it's probably this one.
2: Yeah. This is where I've also seen the uh, rubbing their feet together while watching TV. Yes, <laughs> yes <laughs>
1: Actually, exactly. Yeah. Uh, probably the reason why they're so cosmopolitan is because their host plant is so diverse. Oh, uh, yeah. Yes. Flowers, fruits, crops, beans, clover, cotton, mm-hmm. and mallow. Lots and lots of things. So they don't, they're do not they not picky, so they're, they can find a home anywhere.
0: These are the generalists. They just yes. kind of, we do anything, we eat anything, we're just going to hang out wherever.
1: Yeah, which is not usual for most butterflies. They're usually pretty host-specific to at least a family.
0: This is the anomaly of the group. Yeah, A pretty one that I liked, but it's only found in East Texas, is the Red Banded hair streak. So you can find this kind of I-35 corridor down to Austin and then east of that. And this is a three-quarter of an inch to an inch in length. The upper side of the wings are going to be dark gray to a black color. And they have patches of iridescent blue on it. And then there is blue on the male on their hind wing near the tails. The females, the blue's more extensive. On the underside of the wings, they have a black and white line that crosses their wings. And that is banded with a red to reddish orange color. So where mm-hmm. that line typically goes up on the underside of the wing, it has that red color and it's very contrasting. And so it stands out a lot. Yeah, The larvae on these will feed on uh, sumac, wax myrtle, oaks. So they're around, but again, like I said, in East Texas.
1: I've got a cool one. I think it's cool because it's really pretty. The juniper hair streak, which I've never, ever seen in the wild, I've never but seen. it's green, green and kind of like a bronzy brown, rusty Ooh. brown kind of a color, but they are called such because they utilize juniper, which most of us in Texas call cedar trees, um, but it's truly, it's not a true cedar, whatever that
2: species is. Eastern red cedar, I think.
1: Yeah, we have, you should know this, Brian, because we did that mosquito thing on it. Juniper virginicus or something like that is its uh, yeah. is the species that we have here. So it's called a juniper hair streak, but most people would say they feed on cedar, but it's actually juniper. And if you look at pictures of them, you can see why- They would be on that because they they're a dark, deep green matching that dark on the cedar,
2: which is pretty unique in this family. I feel a lot of them are very like iridescent, gray, purple and orange, like kind of repeated and different. Yeah,
1: Probably pretty unique for butterflies. I don't know that there's other butterflies that really have that green color to them.
2: So there's one other that I saw that silver banded hair streak, which is like green on the underside but then has that kind of purple, gray, blue, orange on the top side. It's pretty unique.
1: Where's that one in Texas? South,
2: South Texas looks like.
1: They get all the cool stuff. <laughs> They're so tropical there.
2: Larvae feed on balloon vine.
1: I don't know what that is. Does anybody
2: know what balloon vine is?
1: Oh, I see the silver banded. Yeah, but it's more of like kind of a, like a lime green or a lighter green, right?
2: Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Balloon vine is what it says. Also, I have no idea what balloon vine is. <laughs> there's also a, a mallow scrub hair streak that feeds on mallows. And I thought I uh, maybe there's more species, but isn't that where marshmallow originally came from? Oh, I don't. Or is that completely made up? I'm re- I just finished a book about a fictional, I believe, fictional island called Mallow Island that started marshmallows, but maybe all of it is a, <laughs> is fake.
2: <laughs> marshmallow Island.
1: Oh, and people should definitely put in the chat or or give us a comment and tell us what topics you want to hear about and we'll take them into consideration.
0: Thank you very much for joining us on this episode of Bugs by the Yard. And we hope that you learned a few new things about butterflies. And thankfully, we are finished now with the butterflies. (laughs) So we'll move on to a new topic. When we catch you on the next episode, thanks so much for listening.